believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, Throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4.6 that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Now, some of the main points I am going to be establishing and providing scriptural support for during the course of this teaching are that, one, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. Two, regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by or immersed in the Holy Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus Himself, who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. Speaking in tongues is the second tenet of the Great Commission. It is vital to understand with respect to this matter of speaking in tongues that it is the second tenet of the great commission Jesus issued to the church. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Mark sixteen fifteen through 18 Today, in the 21st century, more than 2,000 years since Jesus charged the church collectively and believers individually with these words, what has come to be known as the Great Commission, the five tenets of which it consists, have been essentially relegated to the lowest of priorities in the vast majority of churches, and sadly are manifest less and less in churches, including those who claim to espouse Pentecostal or charismatic belief systems. In fact, the higher the order in Jesus' charge, the lesser place it has in most churches in this hour. I deal with the void in most churches of casting out of demons, the first tenet of the Great Commission, in my book, Deliverance from Demonic Powers. 
Believers speaking in tongues is the second tenet, and I believe Jesus spoke of them in the order of their priority to the church and believers. Yet in these end times in which we are now living, times requiring more manifestation of God's supernatural power than ever before in history, more and more speaking in tongues is being eschewed or outright rejected by those claiming to be believers and hold denominations of churches, despite that they are the expressions of the Holy Spirit, not people. It is a sad and discouraging scenario to see such spiritually impotent individual believers and whole churches in this hour, and unnecessarily so. It is, as a preacher recently said, that if you were to somehow be able to assemble all the so-called spirit-filled and full gospel believers in America in one massive stadium, they wouldn't have enough power accumulatively to blow their nose. Of course, that is an exaggeration to make the point of how powerless believers are today, despite the fact that every one of us have at our disposal the same power that Jesus was immersed in at the Jordan River when the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and from that very hour forward, after triumphing over forty days and forty nights in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, he went out to begin his public ministry of miracles, signs, wonders, and displays of supernatural power, dunamis power. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people, Matthew four twenty-three. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Matthew nine thirty-five. The significance of the fact that Jesus himself did not perform even a single miracle before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit cannot be overemphasized. Not one miracle. Notice also in the above verses that demonstration of supernatural power was part and parcel of the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached. It still is. The kingdom is the same as then. Thus, the gospel of the kingdom is the same as then. And scripture definitively declares that the Jesus who preached that gospel is still the same as well. Quote, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. End quote. Hebrews 13, 8. That is true because that is what Jesus said in another record of the Great Commission Jesus issued to the church he is building for all ages until he returns and gathers us together in the air to be eternally united with him. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18-20 His command was to make disciples, which means learners, but not just people who learn, but also, by definition, disciples are people who learn and obey, as he said, teaching them to observe or obey all that I commanded you. And one of the things Jesus commanded the early disciples, but then, by extension, every disciple from then to the present day, is to, quote, wait for the promise of the Father, end quote, before they went out to minister as his witnesses. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Acts 1, 4-5, King James Version. Moreover, that promise of the Father he commanded them to wait on and receive was, as we have shown in various places in this volume, the baptism in the Holy Spirit that was first poured out on the day of Pentecost. Just as the Great Commission is not the great suggestions, but a list of commandments, so also Jesus' charge for every believer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is a command, not merely a good suggestion. Another compelling fact relative to Jesus' command in the Matthew 28 passage cited above to make disciples is that as he commanded the early disciples, come and follow me, that is also the command to every disciple since then, i.e. to follow the model that Jesus set. As discussed in other portions of this teaching, Jesus is the heavenly prototype sent from God to be our model for, quote, everything pertaining to life and godliness, end quote, 2 Peter 1.3. And he himself first received the baptism in the Holy Spirit before he began his ministry. Thus, every believer should follow his example and be immersed in the Spirit as Jesus was in order to allow the outflow of the Spirit to be the source of all we do in the name of quote-unquote ministry. Additionally, Jesus also commanded all believers in all ages to perform not only the supernatural works of power that He performed, but even greater works. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. John fourteen twelve. Again, Jesus was the model for all ministry, and his ministry was accompanied with supernatural works of power 
and he expects every believer to perform the works he performed and even greater works, quote, because I go to the Father, end quote, which means two things. One, he will no longer be here on earth to do the works himself, and he is now sitting at the right hand of God evermore making intercession on behalf of the saints unto the Father, Hebrews 7, 25. We are now his body, his hands, his feet, his mouth, to perform his works on his behalf, continuing and carrying on his ministry. Hallelujah! What an honor and privilege is ours. Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if He would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash slminc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness.
three primary objections to tongues. There are three primary objections people make to the matter of tongues that I won't take a lot of time and space answering here, mainly because they are so manifestly ludicrous from both a biblical and logical standpoint. All three can be easily countered and dispelled. I will deal briefly with two in this chapter, and the third, tongues ceased, will be answered in a more thorough fashion than the other two in chapter 14. The first objection I'll deal with here is, quote, tongues are of the devil, end quote. All the apostles of the Lamb were present, with the exception of Judas, who hanged himself, though his replacement, Matthias, was there, on the day of Pentecost, and were partakers of the original outpouring of the Spirit when, quote, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2, 4. So if tongues is of the devil, then all the apostles of the Lamb were of the devil, because they all spoke in tongues. Moreover, all the New Testament writers were tongue talkers, including Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament epistles, and stated categorically that he spoke in tongues more than all the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14.18. Thus, if tongues is of the devil, so also were all the New Testament writers, particularly Paul, or at least they were all deceived by the devil and spoke in tongues that were inspired by him. Indeed, looking at what Paul said by inspiration of the Spirit in his first letter to the Corinthians, we see him saying that tongues is very much of the Spirit of God, not the devil. In verse 13 of chapter 14, Paul writes, Quote, Therefore let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. End quote. Here Paul is talking about a message inspired of the Holy Spirit, expressed through a believer in an assembly of believers that is one half of prophecy. More on this in chapter 13. Notice the word speaks. He is talking here about speaking in tongues, not an individual praying in tongues. His instruction here is that tongues spoken in a public forum must be interpreted into the common language of those gathered so that those present can understand the message from God. Then, in the 14th verse, he talks about praying in the Spirit and says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. He is saying that when a believer prays in tongues, it is his, her spirit, infused as it is with the Holy Spirit, that is actually doing the praying by the inspiration of the Spirit, rather than the believer praying with his, her intellect, because his, her, quote, mind is unfruitful, end quote. So for tongues to be of the devil, that would mean that the Holy Spirit is praying through the inspiration of the devil as he petitions God through the believer who is praying in tongues. Obviously, that is also a literal impossibility.
Finally, the Apostle Paul, in his teaching of the Corinthians, enumerates, quote, various kinds of tongues, end quote, as one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit, charismata, that are all for the common good of those who are beneficiaries of the gifts. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11, New American Standard Bible. Take special note of the last sentence of that quote. Paul categorically states that it is the Holy Spirit who works or operates all of these nine manifestations of the Spirit he delineated. And he stated that distribution of those giftings is in accordance with His, the Holy Spirit's, will. How can it be that the Holy Spirit operates and distributes all these gifts, and yet they be of the devil at the same time? Impossible, ludicrous, inane, senseless, illogical, blasphemous. Additionally, and perhaps the most convincing of all, in Luke eleven nine through 13 Jesus said this concerning the Holy Spirit in the immersion of the Spirit. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, I hope you understand how vital this teaching is you are hearing. The real truth regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This issue is the most critical issue to the Christian life after salvation itself. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it, and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. 
Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it based on scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you have not done so yet, I want you to have this special book and or audio book I've prepared for you to help you understand it and to receive this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can also order the book and audiobook online on our website at realtruthradio.com where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal donate button to use any bank card which does not require a PayPal account. Again, go to realtruthradio.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.